The following is a part of the Radio Memphis On Demand service. It originally aired live on Radio Memphis and has been edited for time. The following is a special presentation of Radio Memphis. Yes, it is here on a Wednesday evening. It is the 13th of December. And uh, yesterday, last night, we had um, Jim Spake in here. Uh, one of the hardest working guys in the business, and the other one that's in town <laughs> is he's sitting right here with me. Uh, Rick Steff is here. Uh, he's with Lucero, and he's been on a billion records. You probably have some of his music in your house, and you don't even know you do. Hey, everybody. How are you doing? I'm good. <laughs> well, thank you for coming down. Thank you for having me. You're usually pretty busy, and I know we're sliding into the holidays, so things kind of slow down for you a little bit, don't they? Yeah, they do. They do. It's a busy week this week. We have the uh, Lucero family Christmas yeah, this weekend, but then then it slows down a little bit. Yeah, yeah, so it's good. It's good to be here. And you guys got another thing going on. You got a, you, you got a whiskey. We have a whiskey that we'll be doing a whiskey signing at Buster's uh, on the same day, Saturday afternoon. Yeah, I think at two p.m. I think is is when that is. So come come down and get some whiskey signed. Three cord bourbon. What's the story about it? I don't actually know that much about it because I'm the non-drinking Lucero member. But I hear you, yeah. But uh, but they they tell me it's really special. So yeah, come on come on down. We'll sign sign a bottle for you. Right on, yeah. Uh, you got to buy the bottle there from Buster's. No limit. You can buy as many as you want, and you'll sign them. Yep. Is is the whole band going to be over there? Signing yes. Bottles? We'll all be there. So yeah, we have kind well, of a tradition in here. Where I see that you have a lot of bottles, and they're signed. They're signed from various guests that have been on various shows down here. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll I'll be happy to sign one for you. We'll, we'll have to get you one from the show from the uh, from Buster's. Well, I don't want to I don't want to deny any sales from you. <laughs> well, I'm sure we'll we'll sneak. We, we can probably sneak a bottle out somehow. Uh, yeah, whatever, whatever you guys want. How is everything with Lucero? We were talking a little while ago. Y'all had a, 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 an odd year this year, didn't you? We we didn't play a ton of shows. We played sixty shows. We had an album release year. It was great. Yeah, yeah, and that went it went really well. Yes, absolutely. Did y'all make the record here, not in this room, but in Memphis. We did. We did another time with uh, Matt Ross Bang. We made it. Uh, we made actually at two different studios. We started it at uh, uh, Sam Phillips Recording, yeah, and then finished it at Southern Grooves in Crosstown. Right on, yeah. So, but it went a smooth session. I hope. Yeah, it's great. We love love working with Matt. Love the new studio. Yeah. How many songs? How many albums you guys put out um, over time? Now, of course, you're a later member of the later band. member of the, grand, of the band. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. We'd have to Google that. I want to say Roy's probably listening and going. Nah. Hey, Roy, how are you, man? Yeah, Roy's listening. I'm sure, and he, he'll know the right number. But I, I won't. I, I don't want to. No, that's fine. Yeah, because I was looking at your list of credits, if you will. You've been yeah. working a long time, man. I have made a lot of records. I've been fortunate to be invited into a lot of records. Yeah. 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 How does that work? Does the band just go, man, this song really needs Rick Steff? And then, or. A lot of times it's producers. They'll call a lot them. of times it's producers. Hey, we need a key guys. player. We need some or accordion player. Right. You know, the producers will call me. Yeah. Um, so I've been real fortunate with with knowing and working with, with consistently yeah. working with great producers. Jim Gaines, John Hampton, Matt Ross Spang. Yeah. Jim Dickinson. Uh, I, en- 
uh, I understand working with Jim Dickinson was quite the experience. It was a, it was a great. It was a he great. Has, he had such a different experience. look, right? Yeah. He had a, he had a, he had a real unique. It was always a unique thing doing sessions with Jim. Yeah, <clears throat> I was trying to think of a track that I could bring in with Jim, but none none of the stuff that I really could find. There was one track that I that, that I, I didn't know if it was available, but it was across the borderline by Willie Deville. And it was on Horse of a Different Color. And it was <clears throat> a very strange tune where basically Jim had, back in the 80s, I had a Celtic harp. Yeah. And I didn't really know how to play it. And Jim knew I had it. And he said, why don't you bring it to this session? And so I bring the Celtic harp to the session and it plays the track down. And I'm tuning to the track. Ding, 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 ding. Get to the end of the track, and I go, I think I'm ready to take one. And as I'm saying that, Jim goes, that was perfect. Come in, get your check. <laughs> That's, wow. It was that, it was that, that, like that, right, you know? Okay. <laughs> and it was this song across the borderline yeah. that he had written with Ry Cooter and Harry Dean Stanton. This yeah. really beautiful song. So, like... 20 years later, maybe, he's doing this record with Willie DeVille at Arden, and he's, Willie wants to cut that song. Yeah. So I get a call from Jim. You still have that Celtic harp? I do, but I haven't played it since then. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to suck Bring it to record. Arden. <laughs> oh, oh, Same thing happened. Same exact thing. Ding, 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 ding. Perfect. Come on in. Get, get the check and go on home. <laughs> <laughs> and I never knew if it was, you know, to, so that Willie could have that experience or if it was if it was the right part. I, I, I didn't... I didn't know. Jim was just one of those unique, unique guys. But, but so uh, he never really came at you with like any charts or anything, did he? No, no. And I mean, really, in the time of my father's sessions, charts were a staple of sessions. But in my time, that's not. Yeah, because you're so much the case. Yeah, now it's a little different. Uh, your father played with uh, Elvis, I think. Yeah, he yeah. played on all kinds of sessions. He was one of the group of Memphis horns. You know, as such, you know, the, yes. Memphis, the Memphis horns are, are traditionally thought of as, as Wayne and Andrew, which is absolutely correct. But who was credited as being the entity, the Memphis horns on a lot of records was actually a group of a larger collection. Yeah, it was like six players. or seven players. I think right. It was. Yeah. We had yeah. that discussion with Jim last night. Yeah. He said, oh, you got to be careful about that because somebody gets litigious. Yeah. yeah, they'll sue you. For that. Right, right, right. <laughs> you got to be careful with that. Right, but you know the original the Memphis Horns they they were on a bunch of records too. You know. Yeah, of course, you of know. course. It's just it's just a gray area, and it, it has to do with the way musicians and producers and engineers were credited. Yeah, you know, on records. I mean, there's a lot of records that people just didn't get credited. In theory, for. there is still some sort of school of Memphis Horns that are that are out there. Sure, you know. And they, sure. show up, they show up at a lot of places. Well, when <laughs> when Johnny Cash was playing in the 80s, he had two trumpet players that he called the Memphis Horns. Yeah. You know, and uh, but so, yeah, it's just one of those Well, that's the things. thing about Memphis music. It's either got horns or, or organ. Yeah. Or both. <laughs> yeah. And right. that's a very, you can hear a lot of this music out there in the sure. wild. You never heard the song before. You go, that's from Memphis. Yeah. 
true. There's some Memphis you know, gravy on that thing. Very true. Well, you're a big Very part true. of that, too. Uh, you, know, you know, with the big body of work that you've had. Uh, okay. Well, it's true. Um, uh, our friend uh, Sturgis Nikitas from Love Society. Sure, he sure. told me that you made an appearance on one of his records. I did. I played on some of Sturgis' stuff. I sure have. Yeah. Yeah, I sure have. He's, he's a good New York man. He's got good stories. Oh, yes, he does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He knew Sid Vicious. I know he did. <laughs> I know. That, that's he's a in wild the documentary. Time. Yes, he's in that documentary with the Sex Pistols. It's a trip. They shared, they were in, a, in the same hotel, I think, uh, where they lived. Yeah. He was in, yeah, he was yeah. in the Chelsea. Yeah, the Chelsea. Yeah. Yeah, he, he knows all about that stuff. And Rockets Red Glare and all those cats that were, that were hanging around at the time. Yeah. Yeah, that's a it's it's a wild tale, absolutely wild tale. Um, so the Lucero family Christmas that's uh, coming up on the sixteenth. You said yes, that's right. Because um, you guys have notoriously done Memphis appearances, even in the in the the big days. You guys came here at least once a year. You had the it was a Thanksgiving thing. I think you guys did, and now it's Christmas or something to that effect. We did our our. Uh Traditionally raining, you know, uh, family picnic. That's what it was, is the family picnic. Yeah. We try to find out when the strongest deluge. <laughs> When's it going to happen? <laughs> and then book, you know, uh-huh. a nice, lovely outdoor concert with lots of bands. And they don't do it like outside of Minglewood Hall, I think, at yes. one point. Yeah. That's where, that's where we have it. Yeah. Uh-huh. But we're having it inside. For Christmas, well, you're so wise. It'll be good. You are wise. Nice and your, warm. Oh yeah, that's the 16th. Um, yeah, same Saturday night. Saturday night, that, and then before then, go on over to Buster's and get you a bottle of uh, the uh, three quart bourbon. Right on. That that should be a lot of fun. So, in your session work over the years, are there any? I mean, I have a list of tunes we'll get to. Sure. But are there any? Tunes or artists that you worked with that are, that are more stand out than others? Did did you kind of you go, wow, that was really fun, or that was super strange, or? Oh, sure, sure there are, sure there are. Uh, I mean the the career highlight for me was getting to work with Klaus Vormann, yeah, who is uh, yeah. known as an artist. Because he drew the cover of the Revolver album, the Beatles yes. Revolver album, but he's also very well known as a bass player because he was the bass player on all the John Lennon records, all the George Harrison records, all the Ringo Starr records. He was the bass player on a lot of Lou Reed's Transformer. He's the bass player on the beginning of uh, You're So Vain, the Carly Simon Dillium Dillium. That's yeah. that's him. Uh, he came to Arden to complete a movie and album that he was working on called A Sideman's Journey to celebrate his 70th birthday. And he had traveled all around the world reconnecting with musicians that he had worked with throughout his life. Yeah. And uh, he came to Memphis to reconnect with Don Nix Mm -hmm. and uh, Bonnie Bramlett. And I had a long relationship, have a, a long relationship with Don. And so Don had asked me to kind of be the point guy on the session. And so uh, 
we went and did spend a couple days doing these tracks and somehow Klaus and I just really hit it off. We just were on the same frequency and I was such a huge fan and just was so... And you hadn't worked with him up until this point. No, never met him before in my life and I was in just complete awe, you know, and, and just was so humbled, you know, to be around him. And so when we completed the tunes with Bonnie, he said, you know, I got a bunch of other tracks on here I need to flesh out. And I was thinking about putting keyboards on them. Would you want to do that? You know, and, and also have to mix this thing. So he spent another week or so basically just working on the record. And I got to sit there and play on all these other tunes by other people. I even got to try my hand at putting a B3 on the McCartney tune that's on the album. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So, and every year I get a little hand-drawn Christmas card from Klaus Vorman, you know, and, 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 you know, can call him a, you know, more than an acquaintance, I think. So that's, that was, that's my, Career, that's a career high point. And yeah, that, yeah, that would be. I guess it's it's not always true. The the, the term "never meet your heroes." Yeah, yeah that's not true it's at not, all. It's not true at all. And and I got to I got to sit in with Ian Hunter, who was my all time yes. favorite uh, musician of all time. I got to spend some time with him when he played in Memphis and uh, and got to give him a tour of Sun Studios, and he reciprocated by letting me to play. Uh, Play Samantha Hoople with him live on stage at, wow. at, at Minglewood. And yeah. he spent a lot of time with me, me and my wife, whose birthday is t- today. Happy birthday, sweetheart. Well, hello. Happy, Happy birthday. birthday. Uh, so, uh, anyway, those two moments were my bucket list, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, they're, I, I, I couldn't ask for more. Yeah. You know? And again, is that one of those things that, you know, you told me about how you worked with Klaus and the producers would call you up, or you in, in that case, but um, anything out of the blue that you were completely, you, know, you, you were aware of, but you never thought that would happen. That's, sure. That's one of those things. And sure. Then, you know, that it's like, yeah, I'll, I guess I'll do this. And you're intimidated as hell when you go in there. Yeah. And then you realize, wow, this is actually better than I thought. Yeah. Well, so many things turn out like that. Yeah. You know, I got to do Saturday Night Live with the Gin Blossoms. Why? I don't know. <laughs> well, how the hell did that happen? <clears throat> That's crazy. Well, because uh, the gin, I did Gin Blossoms records. Ah, okay. Played on Gin Blossoms, and they, and they knew you. They remembered you. They knew me, but I played on an album track. It was an album track. It wasn't a, it wasn't a, a single. You yeah. know, they just wanted me to go to Saturday. They wanted to take me to Saturday Night Live with them. Right on. It was just that. You know, <laughs> that's a hell of an experience, right? It there. was great. It was the last time Phil Hartman hosted the show. Oh wow! Yeah, and it was uh, it was it was amazing. Wow, it was amazing. Uh, the production of that show, I know it's Saturday Night Live, but it's is it live, live, live like we are right now? Is yeah, it's live, live, live. Uh, it, at that, I can't vouch for what it what it is now, but at that time, what they did was they did at eight thirty. They did a full show full costume, full everything, and they taped it for safety. Right. It's like a dress rehearsal they kept. 
and it was a two-hour version of the show, or eight o'clock, two-hour version of the show from eight to ten, so that they'd have a safety that they could chop up if they even needed to, right? right they had more right. than what they needed. And then from 10.30 till 12. It was the live the Live show. Did they bring the fans in early then? Or were turn you- the house. It's turn it. They have that many people that want to come see it mm-hmm. live. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, now, I don't know that that's what they do now. This yeah. was 1996. Yeah. That's probably not too much different from that. You know, um, I've been in that studio. I saw it. There was nothing going on at the time, mm-hmm. and I was astonished as to how small it really is. Small, you know. Yeah, that that audience isn't a very big. No, no, know, no. And they can turn that pretty quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was a, that was so. Yeah, you get to do things like that. That, yeah, out of nowhere, nice surprises. Yeah, that kind of reminds me of the conversation we had once with the Leland Sklar. Who's another guy that just like you just fell into shit? You know, it was yeah. like, well, I'm I'm now doing this. I'm, I'm working with Jackson Brown. I'm with Phil Collins. You know, yeah, I've got some great pictures of me and Leland Scar. that are pretty funny. <laughs> he told me about that book. Everybody loves me. Yeah, with the finger, finger. Yeah. <laughs> I, for some reason, I have a picture of Leland Scar's head in my lap, and with Jim Spake beside me. It's very strange. <laughs> I think it's on my Facebook somewhere, and it's. All full circle after having Jim in here last yeah, night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that must be nice having having those moments where you can be completely surprised by yeah. certain you know phone calls or messaging that comes through and say, "Hey, we, we need you to do this." And, sure. And you go and show up, and because you, you're an affable guy, you're, you're one to plan anything. I'm always delighted to be asked. I, I'm, I'm. You're known for not saying no. Yeah. Jim and I had that very same conversation yesterday because yeah. I, I worked for Clear Channel Radio here in town. Yeah. And I was a don't say no guy. Yeah. You know, never turned down any opportunity. No. Uh-uh. And it ultimately did sort of bite me in the ass, but... It will. It will. But, you know... But in the music industry, it's a little different. A little bit different. Yeah. So was there anybody that, that got a hold of you and you didn't know them at all and you said, yeah, sure, and you go and you, sh- you show up and it's like, this is, I don't know who you guys are, but this is something really special here? I mean, did that happen? Or do you try and know who you're getting involved with? Hmm. Because that's not always possible. I don't think that I necessarily knew just how special Lucero was going to be. Oh, wow. You know. And here you are. You've been in the band for a while. Because that was going to, that that came about in a very strange session way. Yeah. The way that that happened was uh, a producer called uh Myself and a guitar player, David Kauser, who recently passed, yes. who was my my longest collaborator, mm-hmm. called he and I to accompany two members of Lucero who were helping a friend of theirs do a spoken word 45. Okay. And we were going to do some improvisational music for it. Okay. And I had met John C., the bass player, but I didn't really know know him. And I hadn't met Roy. Yeah. The drummer yet. 
so we did this single and it was like, wow, these two guys are really interesting. And John, who's a planner, he, he, and I think Lucero was maybe at a period where they were looking to they were do looking something to, different. They were going to expand the band. Then. Do something different. Yeah. So John was like, maybe you should come try and play. So I had been playing with Cat Power at that time, which was a good experience and really fun, but... I was basically shadowing her parts. It wasn't really me. It wasn't really my style or my playing. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was a good gig, and I enjoyed it, but it wasn't really me. <clears throat> Whereas Lucero very much was something I could sink my teeth into. And then as we started working on what was going to be this record, you know, that I initially was just going to kind of play on their record, it was like, wow, this is... Yeah, so I, I would say that would be the best example of something like that, where I didn't really know what you were getting into, what yeah. I was getting into, and then went, "Wow, this is something I would, I would be very interested in being." It sounds like those guys gave you a lot of uh, creative freedom too. Very much so. Some other bands just don't do that. They want you to play very much so. Yeah, very much so. There was a lot of room, room there. Yeah, yeah, that's a good thing. Um, I also noticed that you uh, you played with uh, Dexy's Midnight Runners. <laughs> yeah, until they deported me, yeah. <laughs> you got deported. I did. I did. I got asked to leave. I had that gig a little too young. A little too young. That's funny. Uh, I mean, the short, the short story is I was young and full of ego and full of whatever else I could fill myself with at that age. Yeah, oh yeah. And Kevin had been working on these songs and one of them was very much like California Girls and one of them was very much like Werewolves of London and I pointed them out pointed that out to him in probably a less than uh, fragile way and that didn't sit very well I just you couldn't you know I knew too I was too big for my britches and so we were cutting in Switzerland at Queen's studio and uh he said, you're fired. Go home. Go home. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, when I left Switzerland and got to the English airport, he had kindly let them know that I had been working without a visa. Oh, hello. Oh, what an ass. So, oh, so I had to leave, leave England. It was probably for the best. It was for the best. <laughs> <laughs> you're young. You need to learn stuff, you know. I think they uh, still do a thing. Uh, Dexies? I believe they... Oh, yeah, they and, still... They, they didn't need me. They're still a thing, yeah. They didn't need me. No, they're fine. Uh, I regret not exploring London and stuff, but, I mean, you know, you're young and cocky and yes. full of it, and you need to come up and <clears throat> sometimes. I sure did. And that's how it happened. That's how it happened. <laughs> And then, then a few years later, I was with Hank Jr. And boy, yeah. That had to have been quite the experience we were working with Hank Jr. Now, I understand that Hank, and we've, we've played some stuff off of that blues record. Yep. 
that he was a big fan of blues. And he but, was a huge fan of blues. But knew where, his, knew where his money was to be made. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But uh, he, from what I've heard, he seems like just like just an overall easygoing, fun guy to work with. Or was he? When I was with him, it was, we got on great. I can't say one bad thing about my time with Hank, as far as Hank goes. Yeah. We we got on just just great. We got on fine. It was fun times. Uh those were my those were my rocking years. I was rocking pretty hard in those days. Yeah. Eric uh, Deaton was on that blues record that just came out, Rich White Honky Blues, I think uh -huh. it was. And he had a very similar thing to say. So he just came in and was just having some fun and yeah. Um, he he knew what he wanted, but at the same time he was open to any type of interpretation. Yeah, and he heard Eric play a, a, a lick of some sort. He goes, "That's it, right there. Let's go to slide down." Yeah, yeah, yeah. He and can be very no fuss. Just well, time is money. Yeah, yeah. And and those cats know that. Um, you know, there are some people that just don't want to be in a recording studio. They are intimidated by it. Mm -hmm. I've seen it happen. Sure. But they're great up on stage in front of a live audience. That's what they're used to. But they get into a studio and they just feel like there's a pressure on them. Yeah. is a big way. You're kind of the almost the opposite of that, it seems. I feel very at home in one. I, Dad took me to him as a kid. Yeah, you, you grew know? up in it. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I would just go sit in another room while he was there. I just wanted to be around him. I just wanted to be around him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's awesome to have that kind of experience mm -hmm. growing up. Yeah, to to be around. And your your dad was no slouch. He played with a lot of, a lot of he a lot played of, on a lot of records. And you either. walked right into his shoes. Well, I sure wanted to. So I sure wanted to. So the keys, piano, and all that business um, was that something you were formally taught, or did yes, yeah, you, you took mm -hmm. lessons and all I that. I did went to school for it. I did, and then. It, when I started gigging, had to kind of unlearn that stuff a little bit. Or oh, really? Be, well, I mean, because classical stuff is great well, for technique, <laughs> but it doesn't really doesn't translate well. translate to how you you know you're going to gig. Yeah. No, no, they don't. No, my sister took piano lessons yeah. for years, and she got into some popular stuff. And it's forget all that crap you they taught you in right. school. You know, yeah, we do it differently here. Yeah, and her teacher got so pissed off with her. He says, "Is that Elton John you're playing?" Yeah. <laughs> Well, some of the classical stuff will help you with that kind of stuff, but as far as Memphis, Mem you know, what you're going to play in a bar in Memphis, Chopin ain't going to really... No, it's not going to get them in the door. It's not going to help you too much. No, but it is, well, I can see where it would be good to, to, to play it. You know, yeah, it's good for technique. Yeah, that's, that's very cool. Do, do you miss any of that stuff? I still try to play a little bit, you know, for my own pleasure, but no, but, uh, no. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, uh -huh. the 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 Memphis grease is, gets on you, and that's yeah. it. You know, then you're hooked. That's that's so cool. <laughs> um, and it must have been really rewarding for you when you got to be paid for doing it for the first first time. You know. Oh gosh, yeah. It's like, hey, I can do this. I can. I think I can, might be able to support myself. Although stage fees in Memphis haven't changed since the, with the seventies. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Especially for those poor cats on Beale Street. I know that's that's still. Oh, we've heard stories. Yeah, we've heard horrific stories about what those cats go through down there. And some there's some people that are like they don't care. They'll do it for free because they they want to. They just want to have that on their resume but the problem with that is that that yeah. drags everybody down that's the thing yeah that's the thing you know earn earn your keep 
that's the thing. And with a band like Lucero, which you know has a has a very large and noble following, I mean, you're at that point where you guys command a a, a guarantee uh, to play a room, and you know you're you're off and running, or you know you're certainly you're not doing it for ten percent of the bar plus tips. <laughs> that's Beale Street money there. Yeah. Yeah. Luckily, I'm stay clear of all business transactions. I see. Yes, you just I, have to trust the, the the guy who is. Yes, I stay out of all all of that that stuff. Uh, but I feel for anybody, and and I I still go and do some gigs with with folks, you know, as a player, and see what people are doing, you know, see what people are making. Yeah, I, I know, you know. And it's hard. COVID still is affected. We're still seeing the effects of COVID. Yes, we are. We will for uh, a while. Yeah. You know, on, on our level, too, you know. Yeah. Probably a lot of venues that you played in the past are probably no longer there. There's probably There's a good that. number of them. There's that. You know. Or they've they've changed the way they've done their business. Yeah. Earlier shows, I think, is a, is a side effect of yes. it. Yes, what we've referred to as old man friendly shows. <laughs> I'm a fan. <laughs> I'm a fan of the old man friendly show. Well, you can thank Mr. Brad Webb for coining me to that phrase. That's. <laughs> hey, man, we're off that stage by nine o'clock. I'm so there. Yeah. I'm at God home watching Brad TV Webb. at 10 o'clock. You know? <laughs> God bless Brad Webb. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Rick, I've got to take a little pause here. Okay. And. Uh, I was gonna gonna cut gonna get a couple of songs in here for us. Cool. And these these have you on them. At least I'm assuming they do because yeah. you sent them to us. Yeah. Hell, I think about a, th- a third of our library is you anyway. Oh my goodness, I don't know about that. <laughs> well, I don't know. we all, we only just play music from here, so you know there is that. But nonetheless, uh, these are some great artists that are on the way. Um, I've got Ruby Wilson in just a bit because um, you worked with her for Fool That I Am. Um, Elizabeth King, and I was going to get it started with George Thorogood. Hello, Josephine. Yeah. How was he to work with? He was a dream. Was he really? He was a dream. He was just, he was so fun. That's a Jim Gaines record, who who I just love, Jim Gaines. Yeah. And uh, I'll tell you a Jim Gaines story when I come when we come back. I'll, i got a good okay. Jim Gaines story. So Thorogood recorded that song here in Memphis. He right? did. We did it at Ardent. Yeah. And uh, then I did it live with him for a video at uh, Ground Zero uh, with his band. But he was just fun. That's a guy that doesn't like making records. Oh, really? Yeah. He does not. He, he just prefers to get out there and play. And if he does, he wants to make them with Jim Gaines or not at all. Yeah, he's just, he's told me that himself. He says, people don't make records the way Jim Gaines makes. I don't want to make them. He's, I remember he said one time, I don't write the blues because all the good songs have already been written. Yeah. 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 It's, yeah. It's, it's, you can expect you know, Thurgood to say that. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, he puts on a hell of a show. He wants some accordion, so. He'll call you up. He'll call you up. Sometimes my wife will sing this song to me. Oh, right on. Hello, Josephine. All right, it's coming up next out of the break. You're listening to it right here with uh, with Mr. Rick Steff here at Radio Memphis. Radio Memphis.
Who's joined us here in the studio? I actually produced that album. You, I'm you really produced produ- it. Yeah, that was a, that was a that was a, a unique experience because that was a record that we were going to make with Ruby, and the producer that was slated to do it the morning of the record was going to start. He demanded ten thousand dollars extra to produce the record. Oh wow. <clears throat> And the guy that was in charge of the 
label said, Rick, do you want to produce Ruby's record? <laughs> Can you do it for less? <laughs> and sure, for not even I said, <laughs> okay, you know, and and I had worked with Ruby some, and and Ruby had a reputation of sometimes not being simple to work with. She, yeah. she, she, you know, I'd heard she that. had yeah. been through, Lord knows what she had to go through coming up. Yeah. Who knows? She how said, tough. She, she told me she never wore cotton because of her as a little kid picking cotton. Wow. Working the field. So she never wore it. I believe it. I believe it. Yeah. But I always had a good later relationship with, with Ruby. Mm-hmm. When I when I came back from England, uh, dejected and depleted, I was looking for any gigs I could get, and and she came to your rescue. No, no, she she, she, she did actually not? did not come to my rescue. But I, I I managed to get a gig. Herman Green, the great Herman. Oh Green, yeah, yeah. My godfather. He was my godfather. He knew my dad in Rochester. And he was my godfather. Got he got me a gig playing with Ruby on WC Handy's Club upstairs on Beale Street. And it was such a horrible gig, I walked out of the gig. Oh, did you really? The only gig in my life I ever walked out at, because she was just berating somebody so badly. I don't remember. But she was, was in a mood. She was in a mood, and it was awful. <laughs> oh, my God. And I walked out, and thankfully, she never remembered me or anything like that. And I, and I went on to work with her at various times, and I always got on with her well and I always treated her with the respect she deserved and, 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 and I always liked Ruby but in the studio it was just you know it, it could go any way so I got the chance to produce this record and I just treated her like gold and I, I got to pick some songs and that was a song by Etta James that I always adored Yeah, and I knew she could kill it and uh, well she did and she told me in the last year of her life, that was the only record that she really loved was that album that she made. Well, that's nice. And that was that had meant the world to me. And it's it's a beautiful album. It's called the song's called the album's called A Song for You. And it's just an album of standards. And it's got that was Jim Spake playing sax and uh, Sam Shoup on bass, Tom Leonardo on drums. It's just a really good well played album that's it's on iTunes it's 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 findable yeah you can you get know, it it's, yeah. it's what, what's the name of that album again a song for you a song for you she does the uh, Leon Russell song yeah a song for you is the title track those were all done at a studio called Cadre which was in a bank building downtown yeah uh, run by Norbert Putnam and Tommy Peters yeah yeah, yeah. I know of Tommy Peters yeah, yeah. rest his soul yeah yeah, you can't go too far in this town without hearing that name echo yeah. somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he's, he's another one that produced a lot of great stuff, you know. Well, Tommy was, uh, <clears throat> yeah. But, yeah, that's, that's, that was Sweet Ruby. Yeah. George Thorogood, um, you said, uh, didn't like working in a studio, per se. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't. He, 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 was he bitter about it? Or no, he, no, no. It's just, I saw him. <laughs> I saw him lately, and I saw him since this, and I said, have you been cutting any? He said, no, I don't want to make any records. He said, I'll, I'll sit in the back of the bus, and I'll record what I want. I'll record me singing and playing guitar, and then give it to the band, let them put their overdubs on it. I don't want to do it. If I'm not going to do it with Jim Gaines, I'm not going to do it. Oh, wow. So uh, hopefully Jim will get him in the studio again. 
um, one of his latter hits, um, get a haircut, get a real job. That was that was Jim Gaines did that one. Probably it? so. And I, it, it was I have hit. trouble keeping track of what all Jim. Jim has an autobiography that's about to come out, so I can't wait to read that. Oh, He's yeah. just got stories after stories after stories. You should get him on here when. I'd love to. When, we'd love to have him on. Yeah, yeah. Because a lot of those cats. They've been around the block enough. They do have some stories. Oh, he's, yeah, University of Texas, I think, is who's publishing, Jim's. Yeah. Um, another one of the cats that we've had down here that have had tons of stories was uh, Howard Grimes. Oh, sure. You know. Yeah. Uh, right when his right before his book came out, uh, he passed away. But, uh, uh, oh, no, he passed away after it came out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he loved coming in here. He loved it. Yeah. And he loved to just tell those stories, and he was exp- he was giving up all sorts of drummer secrets, you know, like tuning the toms to to the bass lines. Oh wow! Yeah, he'd take a pencil and he'd write on one of the toms. Okay, that's A. This is you know. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's, that's cool. crazy. And he explained what the pocket was in a way that a lot of people that aren't musically inclined that listen to this understood it. Do you have your shows archived? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's great. I'd, I'd like to listen to that. Yeah. Um, yeah, if you go to our website, you can you can just search his name, and there's like two or three that he yeah. did. Yeah, they're there. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah they're that's very cool. The, it, it, well, and that's one of the things that the reason why the, it was the genesis of this station was to you know spend time out, not just with the new artists because there's some there's some fantastic talent in there. Sure. Yeah, you know, and and they're always surprising me, but to hear the stories of what the bedrock that was. You know, yeah. you know where the pocket came from. Where you know, right. I, I wish we had been around before uh, Duck Dunn passed away. Sure, I, I would have loved to to sit down with him. Sure, or Teeny. Did you ever have Teeny on here? Nope, we yeah. haven't had Teeny. Yeah, yeah. Teeny was <clears throat> Teeny was someone to sit at the feet at for sure. Um, we we had a, a one of those shows we 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 did was a, a drummers roundtable. And we just had a bunch of drummers in here to talk about their experiences with the Memphis sound mm-hmm. and where that came from and how it was engineered and you know the, hearing the various stories. And everybody got on to uh, Willie Mitchell mm-hmm. at one point and talking about how he just drove a mean bus at times. Yeah, you know. Yeah, Howard was he was <laughs> leading the charge on all that. Yeah, was, you know he would say he goes, "You gotta you gotta sit back there and just make love to those drums." He goes, "Really?" He says, "Yeah, just don't don't look smart, look stupid, and just play." Wow. You know, yeah, Willie. Yeah, he 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 did. Did you ever get a chance to work with Willie? Not much, no, not much. Boo, I have. Boo, I have. But Willie, no. I mean, the the keyboard players they have over there, they do not require me. Yeah, you know, they got Lester Snell and you know Reverend Charles Hodges. Mm-hmm. They they're covered. Yeah. Now Willie Hall comes down here every now and then. That's an interesting fellow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's he's a lot. Of, he's a lot he's, of fun. He's, yeah, but he's you know he's also included in my list of musicians that you know that made such an impact on totally know, you know and that's it's very lucky. Howard told me, I asked him, I said, what is it about Memphis music? And he said, it ain't the water, it ain't it ain't the stew, it's it's the people. Sure, there's just something about Memphis that affects people that live here, whether you play or you don't. What I used to tell people, what makes a Memphis record a Memphis record? Nobody got paid. <laughs> <laughs> Not really, but no, that's I know. what I used to say. Well, you know. Well, you say. owe a lot to the, like, and you probably took music in school, didn't you? I did, yeah. I went to Overton High School. So you probably so. had some great uh, music construction there, didn't you? 
I did. I did. Um, I was gigging by the time I was in high school. Were you? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I already had a, like, <laughs> my junior year in high school, I was already doing a five-night-a-week really? house wow. gig. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I kind of already was. They kicked you right out of the NCAA music yeah. thing, right? The yeah, recitals and I stuff. I was already gigging. Yeah. I was already, <laughs> it was already too late. <laughs> oh, he's been corrupted now. Yeah, it was already too late. Uh-huh. But, uh, but that's all I wanted to do, so. It was yeah. it was predetermined. Well, you grew up in it, you know, with your yeah. father, you know. Yeah. And I'm sure he gave you a lot of great examples to live by, you know. He sure did. You know, he don't sure do did. this, don't do that, you know. Yeah. Make sure you get this. Yeah, he had he had good he instilled a lot of good and and being a producer's guy was was one of the best rules really to learn yeah you know was to get in tight with the producers get in tight with young engineers because a lot of young engineers become producers yes. you know that's the thing that's true you know and to find someone worth their salt is you know yeah and just high on that list you just never know who's going to be who's going to have the next hit yeah you know just because well, I don't hear it doesn't mean it's it's not you know going to be something great well, like like Jim, uh, Jim Spank, um, you're, you've been a sideman. Yeah, I'm an accompanist. Yeah. Um, and I asked him this last night. I said, uh, how come you didn't do, do your own thing? You know, you could have started your own, like a combo or something. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Jim and the, his four-piece, you know, whatever that is. Uh, you never did that yourself, did you? Me? Yeah. Was it the Rick no. band? <clears throat> Excuse me. I mean, I've done some solo things. And I may do something at some point, but that's a lot of pressure. That's what Jim said. It's a lot of pressure. That's man. a lot of pressure to that's be a front guy, you know. And a lot of work. A lot of work. And, <clears throat> you know, you got to have some, some yeah, it, it takes a lot to do like what Ben does yeah. to me, that, to, be, to be the guy to get out there and sell it. That's saying something. Oh, look who it is. Look who it is. The special guest, Mick. Yeah, Mick Colossa just walked How into the room. Oh, oh, man. <laughs> now I feel great. I feel great, too. It's good to see you. Yeah, Uncle Mick just uh, rolled in the door. He knew you were going to be here anyway. Oh, this is wonderful. <laughs> I brought you some Baby Yoda. Oh, I love a Baby Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? Doing great. I had to stop off and... I'm glad you did. See our national treasure. Yes. Oh, I don't. Where, where is it? When are uh, they coming? That's what Pete Matthews calls it. Oh. <laughs> and I agree totally. Yeah. How have you been? Better than I deserve. Good. It's good to you see too. you. Yeah. Uh, how was your How was your radio show this weekend? I thought it went pretty well. It went well. It went very well. We had a, we had a good time. We covered a lot of ground. <laughs> yeah, you sure did. <laughs> yeah, we, 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 we broke into the Uncle Mick's Christmas album. I'm on that. Yeah. Yeah. You're on that, too, and I didn't give you a copy. Oh, <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> I'm going home with gifts. I yeah. haven't seen you since we recorded that, I don't think. I love the cover. In fact, the song on there that gets all the compliments is his accordion work on Memphis Wood. Yes. Oh, wow. Yes. Jeff still says, I didn't know that an accordion could sound like that. And he said... In the hands Best of that man right there? Oh, no. 
Now, look, I have an aunt who plays, or she used to play accordion. But she, you know, this is up in Fredericksburg, Texas, where all these Germans are. And she made a little bit of money playing the polkas and the shotsies and, you know, all of that stuff. Oh, yeah. And would just play these big beer halls and the, the VFW. See, I can't play that stuff. I and wish I could play the way those cats play. Well, you learn one tune, you've learned them all. Yeah. You know, if you got to do all that flashy left hand stuff. It's a lot of... Happy wonder. My rucksack on my back. But I was mystified by that instrument. Yeah, they're mystifying for sure. There's a book or a TV series, Accordion Tales, about one accordion and how it got passed Yes, around. yeah, that's a great book, yeah. Wow. <laughs> an, and, you know, there's the accordion player who played at a wedding reception. He, on his way home, he stopped off to get a cup of coffee and a piece of pie. And he thought, oh, shit, my accordion's in the car, and I left it unlocked. And he got out there, and it's too late. There was another accordion right along. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. <laughs> That's good. All the you know, half of that instrument is just these little bitty buttons all yeah. over the place, and, and yeah. I never nobody ever told me what do they do. Well, that's your left hand bass. That's your. That's bass all bass. Notes. That's all bass notes. Yeah. Are they in any type of an order in that circle thing? of fourths and fifths? Okay. So that's you where can, it gets you can find you can find where you need to be. Mm -hmm. Theoretically, right. yes. It's Theoretically, as opposed to a concertina, it's well in those circles too. But it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because it, it's it's basically a, a bunch of harmonicas is the way I've envisioned it, and you're just it's all read free read instruments. It's yeah. blowing or sucking one right, of the two. Exactly right. Yeah, exactly right. And the buttons are the stoppers for it. Yeah. How did you pick that up? When synthesizers started sucking <laughs> so badly, <laughs> I get to go to the accordion, <laughs> and I would be doing sessions, and at that time there was like would be a lot of jingles. A lot of work was jingles, you know. Yeah. They'd, and they'd, and the jingle producer would go, well, let's go back to that sound you had two hours ago. You know, let's try that sound. Let's try that. I was like, no, I'm through, you know. And and I wanted to find some instruments that were organic, but yeah. were still keyboard-oriented. I just didn't like the way synthesizers yeah. sounded. And at that time, I was working a bunch with an artist, Rob Junkless. Mm -hmm. You know, Rob? And so... <clears throat> We we both went and we bought accordions at the Central Academy of Music next to the Market Basket at Summer and Perkins or Summer and Mount Moriah over there where it was, and it just worked beautifully because it didn't. The little student accordions they only have like single reeds in the right hand, so it didn't get in the way, oh, yeah. and you could just play these pretty little parts, you know. And and in the left hand you could do little drone things, and it was real nice. So it started being a <clears throat> something I could I could use yeah. you know it was like okay this worked and it blended nice with acoustic guitars mm -hmm. and so I ended up doing a lot of stuff with that yeah. you know and that kind of helped until the bad sense went away you know and, <laughs> and things they started putting thought back into it right <laughs> well and then Americana music started kind of happening you know what I mean, and yeah. and uh, and those those sounds weren't part of the global palette in 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 the music I was making anymore. You know what I mean, but like the born in the USA kind of keyboard sounds is what I'm talking about. You know what I mean, that kind of a thing. Well, was, there's like a thousand different species of of accordion. Oh gosh, yeah. And so you could, in theory, recreate that, couldn't you? One could, if one wanted. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
I see. Say no more, Rick. I get it. One had the back for it. Well, yeah, it's not a light instrument. That's for sure. No, that's why I like the student accordions. They're small. The 12-note bass, the 40-note basses, those are perfect. Yeah, you must have made that guy's day with you and Rob walking in buying two accordions. He was, was, was it buy one, get one? No. <laughs> no. But they weren't much. They weren't expensive. They weren't expensive. Uh, the, uh, where I grew up in San Antonio, the uh, the Tejano bands oh, yeah. were notorious for those the smaller accordions, and they yeah. were rocking those Yo, things. Oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah. And they were, they were playing. And then you've got the, the valve ones, like Joel Saunier plays. That he would come out and play with Hank, and... Uh, he, he let me put that on one time and try, and I I don't even know what the thing did. I mean, it didn't even have keys, really. It has these valves and then these dowling things that I, yeah, I. It's a crazy engineering. Crazy engineering. engineering. <laughs> um, let me grab this break here. Uh, let's get into this uh, uh, this uh, quick uh, look at the headlines, and I've got some more music. I, I meant to play the. Uh, Elizabeth King record. We'll, get, we'll certainly start off with that. And I've got uh, Samantha Fish on your on, on the way too. Cool. And uh, Elizabeth King. Oh boy, do I love Elizabeth King. Yeah. And uh, Susan Marshall. Yeah. The great Susan Marshall yeah. with her band. So hard to get along with, and some other stuff too. So Rick Steff is here in the studio. Uncle Mick is in, is in the room as yeah. well. Radio Memphis.
Radio Memphis has been the go-to internet radio station for music from Memphis and the Mid-South. And we're still cranking it out, baby. The best indie music in the world is right here. We are Radio Memphis. you be 
can sing her ass off. Oh. You get her and Reba together. And yeah. Oh, yes. Crazy yeah. Thing. You know, I, I told you that, that that song on the Christmas album, The Best Christmas Ever, and it was, Rick is the one who started playing it funky. We said, let's go with that and roll with it. Mm-hmm. And uh, we brought those girls in to do the background singing on it, and it was, yeah. you know, it, it's magic. It is magic. Yeah. yeah Susan's been great. on a few of my records. Yeah, well, yeah, well, sure. He's been on a bunch of records. If, if you look at these credits over here, you can see that Rick Steff is on a bunch of stuff. Yeah. And Susan, I, I Sam, and I wrote that song. That's something Sam Shoop and Susan and I wrote. Oh, you wrote that one? Okay. With, yeah, we wrote with that with one together. Yeah. That was a fun, fun record to make. That was Young Avenue Sound. 
Yeah, right around the corner from the house. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Um, I before Steely Dan played a show here, they re, they used that room as a rehearsal space. Really? Yeah. I did not know that. They kept it secret. I'd have been over there pounding on the door. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> to, to hang out with Donald Fagan for a minute, you know. Jeff went to that show and he said that uh, the guys couldn't hit the notes anymore. They had back backup singers. Yeah. Get all those notes for them, you know. Yeah, they've this got, is recently. This yeah, for, this was within the last five years. I'd oh, say. Oh wow! Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's great. Uh, when they they kicked off the Heavy Rollers tour mm-hmm. at Memphis in May, and they rehearsed over there for that for that gig, hmm. and that's where I first oh, met when Walter was still alive, and and met them both, and they were they had stage fright like you wouldn't believe it. I would believe it. I would believe it. There there were studio rats, you know. Yeah. I would totally believe it. Yeah, um, Fagan was one of those guys that I, I've always admired as a as a as a keyboard player because of his creativity and the, what what he could do with that thing, you know, specifically with the with with the electric piano. Mm-hmm. You know, totally. Who their first keyboard player was who? Chevy Chase. I thought it was a drummer. No, he played keyboards. You played keyboards with him? Huh? He was a keyboard player. Yeah, I think he left because he said, "You guys aren't going anywhere with this." <laughs> yeah, this is not going to do, do us any good. It's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess you know Lucero keeps you busy enough. You you haven't really thought about getting too much on the road with some other other acts or anything like that. No, yeah, the, the, the road Lucero's plenty plenty of the road for me. You know, yeah, but I love it. I mean. Well, we talked about how that's changed, you know, before we came on about doing the residency gigs. Yeah, those are great. You know, I would love to do more of those where you're in a city for a couple, three days, and we do get to do some of that. But I would miss the road if we didn't have it. Uh, I do really love getting to see the people and, and playing live. It's, I, it's, it is two separate careers for sure. Yeah. The studio versus the live. Do you guys thing. all travel together then? Yeah. Yeah, we're all on the bus. And it works out. That, yeah. Because sometimes, you know, hell, ZZ Top had three separate buses yeah, for a no, while. Yeah, no, it's not like that. It's not like <laughs> that. I think Billy said, because that's the secret to keeping the longevity in the band, is that we just didn't ride together. Yeah, they have they have the money to choose that kind of <laughs> ostentatiousness and, and thing. Yeah, we're not that kind of, we're not those kind of people. Yeah. Yeah. I saw my list. It's not that. It's much more familial. On on uh, on my list of uh, songs that we have for you tonight, uh, a name stands out that you a guy that you played with Huey Lewis. Yeah, Huey's a blast. Huey's the best. Huey's great. What did he say? He goes, I never really sought the fame. It just kind I just kind of fell into it. And if it, if I didn't get famous, I would have been playing in some beer joint. Probably know, so. Just blowing a harmonica and singing the blues. You know, doing whatever his blues are. You know. But that's you know, but I hear he's just quite the gentleman to work. He with. was so fun. Yeah. He was so fun. That's that's another Jim Gaines record, and uh, the story behind that was is is kind of interesting in that Jim had had done Huey's big records. Jim had produced like sports, you know, yeah, oh, yeah. engineered sports and all that. God, that was a big record. Too. And I guess. Are you on sports? No. No, I'm only on this record. Okay. But Jim and Huey had gone separate ways because I guess Jim had to leave a project that had gone over. And this will all be in Jim's book, so I'm not betraying a confidence by saying anything about this. But basically, a Huey record had gone past deadline 
where Jim was committed to have to go to another project. And because of that conflict, a conflict arose, and Jim and Huey didn't speak for decades. Oh, really? It was that deep? They didn't talk. Oh, they wow. They just didn't talk. So Huey decided he wanted to do this R&B record mm-hmm. in Memphis with Jim. And so they met and got everything sorted and they were, you know, hugged and kissed and everything was made up and everything was groovy and fine. And their keyboard player didn't want to play piano. He just wanted to play B3. <laughs> but he didn't want to play piano at all. Was it one of the guys from the news? Yeah. Uh-huh. It was Sean. Okay. But he didn't want to play piano. And so Jim calls me and says, hey, man, would you come down and audition playing piano? You know, will you come and play piano on a track? And if it doesn't work, I can't pay anything. I mean, just, you know, just come and try it, you know, and see, you know. And so I walk in, and Huey's there, and I don't know. I can say what he was doing. <laughs> we'll leave that to the imagination. Leave that to the imagination. Just time, but, just time flies. Yes, you know. But we hit it off. Let's say we hit I, it. I, off. I we got hit, you. We hit it off. <laughs> I hear you. Uh-huh. Just a smoking good time is what it was. Really <laughs> good time. And sat down, and I mean, it was immediate. Just boom, smashing good time. Did the whole record, you know, and come to find out the first time Jim had been with Huey since the meeting was the moment that I was there with him. Yeah. In the studio, you know, so I felt real privileged and honored to kind of be like Jim's guy. Yeah. There, you know, his... Mr. Reliable. Just, yeah, and just like, just, you know, a familiar face there for him because I just think so much, I admire him so much. Jim was one of the first engineers that recorded my dad. Jim Jim (laughs) produced the Delaney and Bonnie album Home that my father's on. It's a really important Southern rock album, and, and Jim just means a whole lot to me. Yeah. So... To him, for him to ask me to do that, and and for for me to know how special it was for him, that was just one of those kind of full circle things. Really full did. circle things, you know. And and we did the record; it was a gas, and Huey was just couldn't have been more fun. And I had given him a copy of the movie that was made, the Klaus Vorman movie, because uh-huh. that. That ended up being a film that yeah. I was in a bunch of. Right. And uh, Huey had gone to hospital and had uh, had to have stents put in his heart. And so he watched this movie while he was in the hospital. And one day I get this voice message going, Rick Steff, Huey Lewis, big fan of your work. Just wanted to call and say I love the movie with Klaus Foreman. You know, love you, bye, or whatever, you know. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, that's another one of those bucket lists, you know. 
knows things. I know Huey. How did this even happen? How did Huey Lewis even? I know. So I saved the message and worried my friends with it terribly. I keep it on my computer. You know. Yeah, you got to hear this. Yeah, you got. Oh, I played it when we were on Warp Tour. I drove everybody crazy with it. You know, everybody. Listen to this. Listen to this. Listen to this. Now Huey's basically retired. I think. I think you're right. He does have good days and bad days, from my understanding. Probably so. Slowly getting better. He's probably years disease. I think. I think it's that's a hearing right. issue. I think that's yeah, right. This hearing is really yeah. It's not tinnitus. It's it's a completely different right. It's like deaf, you know. But he couldn't have been lovelier, you yeah. know. And and I and, and he was doing a bunch of acting too at that time. He was enjoying doing acting, but but yeah, he was just. I mean, that's a rock star. Oh well, just, well yeah. It's just a real. You're in the room, and it's like, wow, that's. <laughs> Well, the news have been around with him ever since day one, from sure, my understanding. Sure, yeah, they're a family. A- except for when it comes time to play piano, apparently. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He didn't <laughs> want to play no piano. Sean did not or, want to play fish. piano. Yeah, or fish. I, I, I met him in a very non-musical context. It was Huey a, or Sean? Huey. Huey. It was in in uh, uh, for a TV show called. Buccaneers and Bones, and it was for the Bonefish and Tarpon Trust, and mm-hmm. was, we brought a bunch of celebrities in to go who liked to fish. And Huey was one of and them. Huey was one of them. Michael Keaton. Oh, Liam that's Neeson, great. Liam Neeson. Yeah. Jerk. <laughs> wow, well, I've heard one. that. <laughs> um, but uh, yes, yeah, so I met Huey that way. Went fishing with Huey. That's really cool. That's cool. That's, that's really cool. That's that's way cool. Um, yeah, like you know, like you were saying, being a sideman, you never know who you're going to play with. Yeah. You know, no. you just walk in the in the room, sure. and there's you know, well, there's Huey Lewis, and yeah. you know, <laughs> had had sure. the, had Jim told you that Huey was doing this track when he called you to audition, or just? I, guess, I mean, I knew it was going to be Huey, but and I knew it was going to be old Memphis tunes, but I didn't know what any of the tunes were. Oh, I see. No, I just it was just going to be. Uh, and I don't even remember really what the first tune. The first tune we cut was, uh, but I just knew it was going to be a bunch of Memphis songs. Yeah, you know, and they just you walked in, they had the charts for you, and you just you know side. No, I don't think there were charts. You were just winging it. Just winging it. I think it was just a winging it kind of thing. I think the horn players had their charts. The Johnny guy is very the, the the horn. Their horn man is is a sharp, sharp, sharp arranger. So he had serious horn charts already made. That much was done. Yeah. But the rest of it was pretty much... And you passed the audition, apparently. Apparently so. It was really (laughs) nice. It was really good. I I have the tune, Don't Fight It, which we'll play here in just just a little bit. Um, Sure. And this was, like you said, it was done in Ardent? Is that where where he did it? Yeah. That that room has so much history in it. And... I, those rooms, yeah. Those rooms, that whole complex. And, and yeah. there was a talk that we, I thought we were going to lose it there for a minute. Yeah, it's coming back strong, I think. Uh, it's not quite there yet, but yeah. but I think I think next year, I think next year we're going to see a brand new Ardent. Didn't, like, some of the roof come in and mess up one of the boards, like in Studio C, I think it was? I think some of that stuff did happen, but I think all traces of that are gone. Yeah. I think there's all new equipment and all new stuff, and I think the cutting rooms are the same as they were, and the control rooms have been completely revamped. But I don't know. I haven't been in there, you know, but I'm, I've always been real close with Jody, so I know as soon as... 
as soon as I can, I'm going to go. Because Jody's running it now, is it? Yeah, I got to go see him. Jody's there. You know, I don't. I haven't met the new studio manager gentleman yet. Yeah, there is a new studio manager in place. Because once once the two passed away, and then their wives got it, or I know there was a weird fight in there somewhere. Well, I actually worked with them on some strategic planning after after John died. Yeah, and to try to. Figure out where to go with it, and everybody was just bemoaning that it's just not like it used to be. Uh-huh. Well, that's because everybody used to pitch in. <laughs> it, and it was different, yeah. But, Keith's uh, still there. Pardon? Is Keith still there? Oh, he's not. I don't okay. think so. No. Okay. I cut. Uh, last time I was there was March twenty third, twenty twenty. Oh, really? Yeah. And then they shut it down the next day for a year and a half. Right. And I hear every once in a while, you know, somebody's got a, a record that's coming out of there, or they're working over there. Yeah. And, it's like, and, and I'm like, well, I thought the thing was, cl- there, was a, there was talk that the University of Memphis was going to get a hold of it and do something with it. And then, I know Mike still does a lot. Mike Wilson still does a lot of stuff over there. Yeah, Mike Wilson, he's a, he's a stitch. Uh, he's a lot of fun. Good buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that they're preserving it. Yeah, well, and, I'm, and, I'm, and making it a working room. Oh, I'm guaranteed <laughs> they'll be coming back strong. Because that's, that's one of the few purpose-built studios in town. Yeah, I, I believe it was built specifically for right. that. Um, aside from American over there on uh, uh, Airways and Lamar, sure. you know, sure, um, which is another phenomenal place. It was more phenomenal when Pete and Toby were there. But <laughs> <laughs> well, there was that. Um, it's yeah, it's there's some different guys that are working over there. They're, they're, the I, I was blown away by those. Uh, natural uh, echo chambers they've got upstairs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are great. Yeah, those are crazy great. And apparently the floor, the control room floor, the studio floor sits on these springs. Mm-hmm. It's a floating floor. To keep the, the rumble, the, the yeah. road rumble down. Yeah. Yeah. And it sits right in the flight line. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's a floating that floor. We, we cut Tully Bray's album there. Yeah. Speaking of which. And uh, um, <laughs> Tennessee Redemption. Yeah. Yeah. So many easily great... Great. Run both of those. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned an album and he's on it, know, you know. It's <laughs> so many great records were cut in that room and it was Easley's too. It was so many important records were cut <clears throat> when Doug Easley had that place. It was so influential. You know, when I met Brad Dunn, it was over there and he was talking about how they were, yeah. because he pumped a punch of money into that thing to, yeah. to rebuild it. And, oh, gosh, yeah. And it had some major, major work done to it. And then oh, they had yeah. a fire a couple of years ago, huh. almost a fire. The outside electrical box took a hit from a light from a bolt uh-huh. of lightning, and I did not know that. And it it didn't do any real damage inside. It was all outside, thankfully. But uh, yeah, he was pretty pissed about that. And the city was charging him money to replace the pole and all that stuff. So good gracious. Yeah, but uh, oh yeah. There was some Marty Lacker. You talked about Marty Lacker a lot. Uh, worked with Elvis. I think Marty was his. Was his publicist? I think, maybe or something. He worked. He worked with him with Elvis, and Elvis may or may not have done some work over there. They still don't. They, yeah, that's still <laughs> brought up. I have my own opinion, but yeah. <laughs> well, that room is big enough to, 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 you know, you can put the symphony in there. Sure. You know, and so maybe some of the string stuff was was, was done there. Could have I have been. no doubt overdubs for Elvis records were done in that building. But Elvis himself, I doubt it. 
Yeah. Because most of what he did was in Nashville anyway, wasn't it? I mean, yeah, I just I can't imagine what the reason would be, but it's possible. Yeah, because it was all RCA, I think it yeah, was. Yeah, I, just, in Nashville. I can't imagine what the reason would be. And then out out west, you know, out in L.A., he, yeah. he recorded. And of course, he did the Jungle Room, the live from Memphis record that was recorded there. Yeah, whatever, whatever the case is. <laughs> um, coming up, I'm going to play this Huey, uh, this Huey tune. Don't fight it. And I've also got your, um, the one that's credited to you, Rick's Boogie. Yeah. Part one. My 50th birthday present to myself. <laughs> so what are you waiting for for part two? <laughs> I don't know. I turned 60 this past year. I, I, I missed my window. I've got some things in the can I'm working on. It's just that pulling the trigger thing. It's tricky, you know. Is it is it uh, for um, not for lack of time? I know you're a busy guy, but uh, um, just you're kind of wanting to do it or not wanting to do it. Or it's 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 kind of fear of like completion. It? You know what I mean? Yeah. And now in the meantime, I have done. You know, I do electronic music with my partner Roy, the drummer in Lucero, who's my my nearest dearest buddy, and uh, and we do a lot of electronic music on the side, which is a totally different like kind of thing like dance stuff or well you ethereal? could dance to it if you're strange enough uh, <laughs> but it's it's it just sounds like you found of, your audience it's just kind of unusual electronic music we've done some soundtrack stuff we have an album out called super fluidity we have a we have a band called rick and roy we've spent a lot of time oh well there you go name. yeah i can tell a lot but, of effort uh, goes into that so we 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 have some things we've we've been working on but yeah it's you know it's it's hard to complete it's hard to complete um i'm looking i've i've i could use a collaborator i could use a songwriting collaborator probably these are instrumentals a lot of the things I have are instrumentals, yeah. The Rick and Roy stuff is all instrumental by design. I got you. I got you. But uh, I wouldn't mind doing something a little more vocal-oriented, but we'll see. I'm, I'm... Let's get you in there and talk. <laughs> should probably try to finish finish a couple of these things. Too many irons in the fire. Is that what too that many, is? too many unfinished songs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, someday is not a day of the week, as my mother used to tell me. That's true. <laughs> you know. That's true. I'll get to it someday. It's not a day of the week, Rick. Shut up. Yeah, I heard that. So, any rate, um, I've got uh, uh, your uh, your uh, Rick's Boogie Part One, and um, and we'll get to some Lucero too. How's that? We'll do what? We'll get to some Lucero too. Oh, cool. So we and I want to remind people too about the the family Christmas show that is coming and uh, a liquor signing. Pretty impressive. Radio Memphis. Yeah. 
Must must have Lucero. <laughs> Man, that track. Uh, baby, don't you want? Um, speaking of Lucero, the Lucero Family Christmas Show is coming up uh, Saturday. This Saturday at the uh, at Minglewood Hall, the big room. Um, and uh, that's a that's become an annual tradition with you guys. Absolutely, that's gonna be that'll be a fun time. And and it and it, actually we looked, it's gonna rain. Good, good. So you've you've made the wise decision to so move park it inside. far from the venue. <laughs> yeah, make sure it's a good long walk. Make sure it's a good long walk. In the past, you guys have played that outside, so. But your fans are troopers. They are indeed. They they, they love, love that them. band. They love that band. We love them. Um, their um, their uh, tenacity to find you guys is is really good. Yeah, and for for being an independent Bless band them. that doesn't do much promotion, you know, right? You just kind of show up, and then the fans show up. That's a good thing. Yeah. Well, they do a lot of promotion on their their own. The real Lucero fan group and and all that. They uh they stay in touch with each, with each other. They show up. They're the best. Yeah. They're they're the best. They're the they, real troopers. They yeah. really are. They really are. They make it very special. Uh, like on this last tour, I mean that makes it really special when you see some of those same faces city yeah. after city. You know, and you've gotten to know them too. I mean, of course, you you, you go and hey, Jim, it's good to see of you. Of course, you know, yeah, they, of course you do. Yeah, of course you do. They're they're Lucero family, and they you know they they pay good money to see you to see you work, and they pay the mortgage. Yes, we know it. We appreciate it. I yeah. mean, they're a lot of they're bands there don't for think us. Like that. Yeah, a lot of musicians don't think like that though, and it's it, it's well, they ought to. They ought to. They ought to. They, think like they that. ought to because that's the that's just the simple truth. That's where the wheel meets the road. Is it? Well, yeah. You, you give them a show. That's what they're there for. You yeah. Know? You know, and go out and do the best because they show up. I mean, they do show up. And you said it's kind of Grateful Deadish in a way too, don't they? Don't they well, go just from? in the way that they. I mean, they're there. But they they they, they follow. They you. do follow they, you. They follow you. There's some people that come to you know. There were some people that were there at 60% of the dates we did of this last run. 70% of the dates that they were there. Wow. Some people were there at almost every show. You know what I mean? Wow. So, yeah. They just follow follow the bus, you know, off we go. And they're taking their time and their money to do that. So, yeah, you got to acknowledge. Oh, you have you got to recognize that. So, and, we, so yeah, the, the Real Lucero group, Real Lucero fan group, yeah, that's... That they do huge, and I guess it goes really kind of without saying that they 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 have they own every record that you guys have put out. Oh, and the live tapes and bootlegs. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how sure. you feel about that, but great. Yeah, great. Bootleg it if they want. If they want to tape anything, yeah, fine. Yeah, that's what the dead did. Yeah, I think it's wonderful if they. Yeah. I have no problem with that. Yeah, that's good. That's a good relationship to have with your fans. Yeah. You know, because they, they they want you to do do well as well. Yeah, I've got tons of bootlegs on the bands I love. Yeah? You know, sure. Why not? It's easy. You'll see that on tickets, you know, no photos, no no recording. No, it's like, oh, calm yeah, down. Yeah, I, I don't think that's ever been it's, Lucero. It's, well, what do you, what, you know, some kid's going to have a, a recording of it. He's not going to be able to release that. It's not going to sound good. 
Now I do. Yeah. It sometimes it is disconcerting when everyone's looking at the, f- the show through their phone. You know, yeah. that does get a little odd. It's like we enjoy the show, but you, you know, that's just put the phone down for a second and watch. That's what you just get. a modern, yeah, encumberment. God, there was a time when everyone had their big lighters, you know, at the shows, and now they're yeah, all sure. waving their phones around. Yeah, it's, so it's it's just what it is. I think Zippo even had an app that had, had a little flame. That's you, right. That's and right. You could, you could wave. That's that. right. That's right. I remember that. <laughs> But, I mean, it's, it's everywhere. It's yeah. Everybody's always yeah. on their phone. Yeah. You know, in a pain clinic, and everybody in the waiting room is on their phone. Yeah. It's really odd. Yeah. So I went back to the game when I was playing. But, yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. There was Candy's a, not going to crush itself. There's a story that uh, Tom, when Tom Petty last played the Orpheum, Kevin Kane was apparently down within the first row center, of course, on his fucking phone the entire time. Petty stops the show and says, hey, man. Let's take everybody on the front row and swap places with the guys in the back. Let's swap rows, and then we'll start We'll start to play again. Wow. Kane just left the room. Just like, oh, fuck this. I'm out of here. He's like, how dare you do that to me? Oh, wow. That's But, you know, guys like Petty understood his fans. It was yeah. the same thing. You know, they, they paid a lot of money to get us that, that, just to get into the room. <laughs> Tell me about and it. And then there's some douchebag on the front up there with his, you know, on his phone the whole time. Yeah. Yeah, he had the greatest response. They were doing this big multi-artist show. Yeah, and Graham Nash told him this was like the early '80s. And Graham Nash said, "Listen, when you're playing, it's going to sound like people are booing you, but they're waiting for Springsteen and they're saying Bruce, Bruce, Bruce." And he said, "Well, what's the difference?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> good point. <laughs> Very good point. Good point. Well, yeah, I told you. Good point. Billy Swan. I'm, Loving him, yeah. everybody screaming, "Bring out Willie! Yeah. Shut up! I want to hear." Me. Right, right, right. Um, so, yeah, Saturday you're going to be over at uh, over at the big room in Minglewood uh, for the family Christmas. Thing. Yes, and before then, earlier in the day at noon, you'll be at Buster's Liquor doing a liquor signing. Yes, because Lucero has a whiskey now uh, called Three Chords. Absolutely correct. Yes. And I I don't want to know the details as I know there's a lot that goes into that, but. Well, is, it, is it their whiskey or is it a sponsorship? Sure. Yes. <laughs> There's a lot happening here. I okay. I don't know that Ben went to you know a distillery and picked out a whiskey. <laughs> I think there was some of that involved. Yeah. I think there was some. I think there was. I think there was some Ben. I think there was some involvement. Yes. Yeah. I think there I was to some tasting. Like yeah. I think there was some involvement. Yeah. yeah three Chords has this. It's called Backstage Series. Yeah, and that's what that's what the. Oh, you're part of the backstage series. Yeah, it's a special. Oh, very special. Yeah. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm afraid I'm not the 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 best one to ask about that aspect of well, our there's, merch. There's no limit on this. You can buy as many as you can carry, and they'll sign them for you. Um, uh, my advice, if you get a signed bottle, is to never open that. You know, keep that up on your shelf. And if you're a big Lucero fan, and you'll have a you have a, a great. Piece and if you know, and then buy an extra bottle for yourself, you know, exactly. sure, and that would be exactly. the way to do it. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's absolutely the best. Best of luck with that. That's a new venture for you, cats. You know, you know how this music industry has changed over the years. It's tickets and T-shirts. You know, absolutely. You know, that's all it is, and you know, creative ways to find some merch. Um, is that no? What is? Oh, that's Brandon. Yeah, and he was part of that as well. Yeah. Okay. So Hernando's had all kinds of stuff when he played there. So. Oh, cool. This is their bourbon. I don't know because they get multiple whiskeys. So. Right on. Um, cool stuff. 
And uh, I know, so you're basically home for the till the end of the year, then. Yeah, right? yeah. And then January starts up, and Lord knows where the wind blows. Right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the whole band home. Call me; I'll come play on your record. <laughs> <laughs> Make a record. Around, I'll, I'll figure out when you're around because we'll do that. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, because you were on mixed records. Yeah. yeah, several of them. I'm ready to make more. Yeah, yeah, it just... yeah it's it's nice to sit down and talk with somebody who finds the absolute joy in doing that. I do, I do indeed. You know, making something, you know, specifically, it's a time shot of that moment. That's what a record is, mm. and it's always going to be that way. You can't go back and fix it. No, you know, <laughs> you ever hear some old stuff of yours and go, "Oh, what the hell was I thinking?" Oh, of course, <laughs> of course, I should not have played that. Of course, but we've never done 186 takes of anything. No, <laughs> no. You're talking about that friend of yours who played on Bridge Over Trouble. Yeah, that's yeah, that's that's a great story. That's uh, the piano player that played on Bridge Over Troubled Water. Simon and Garfunkel. Simon and Garfunkel, yeah. I had gotten to do a session with him. And uh, I had asked him what was the worst session he had ever done. You know, what was the most strenuous session he ever done? And he said, bridge over troubled water. And I said, why? And he said, because at one point he walked into the control room and Paul Simon was asking the engineer whether he preferred take 187 to one take 154. Oh my God! Yeah. Oh my. Larry Nectel is the guy's name, and I said, "What take did they ultimately go with, Larry?" And he said, "Take number one." Yep. Oh my God! <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't quit on the spot. Yeah, they paid him for every take. So. Well, there's that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Well. Yeah. They didn't know that lesson that that, that Jim Jim told us some, yeah. something similar about, you know, he'd do like, he'd do a take, and then the guy would want to change it, and they'd go through like four checks, you know, four you know four changes, and then they did it the way they did it the first take, and I went, that's the one, that's the one we want. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's yeah. happened so many times. Yeah, so many times. I do that as a voice actor. Yeah, you like that first take is what you're telling me. You just yeah. want to. Oh, just, you don't ever tell them that. No, you don't tell them that. No, you. you but they're. They're justifying that check that they're going to write you. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Can yeah, yeah. You oh get my that. God with bridge over troubled water. <laughs> Can you imagine? That? Oh no, I can't. What the engineers used to do is, if you got it in the first take, they'd go, "Let's get another one for safety." Yes. Mm-hmm. Let's get the safety. Let's get the safety take. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or like they did with you with the harp, they t- they just rolled the tape on you while you were tuning it up. Right, right, right. <laughs> so what Jim wanted. Yeah. And Jim got what Jim wanted. That works. Come and get your check. Um, Mr. Staff, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This was a joy. Um, you know, come back anytime. I will do it. You know, um, we uh, we live uh, not too far from each other, and yeah. if you want to come down, you know, if you if there's you you hear of what we got going on down here, yeah. you want to come see it and come be a part of it. I'm glad to haul you down yeah, here. Yeah, I'd love to come. It's been a pleasure. Good to see you. Good to see you, Wally. And you know, get the studio crashed by that guy. Yeah, I love it. Love my love my man Mick. Yeah. Well, best of luck. Thank you so much in the future, and um, be careful when that comes around. And hope you enjoy your we'll holidays. Do. You and, too. Yeah. Have a great one. I will Thanks do it. so much. The proceeding was produced by Pirate Radio Studios Incorporated and originally aired live on Radio Memphis. Any offers or advertisement contained may not still be valid. 
All rights are reserved, and copyright is held by Pirate Radio Studios Incorporated, Memphis, Tennessee. For more, look for all the RMOD players at radio-memphis.com. <laughs>